Hello. Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and in this episode of Call It Like I See It, we're going to continue our Streaming Between the Lines series and discuss Behind the Curve, the 2018 documentary film by Daniel J. Clark that takes a look at flat earthers, their belief that the earth is a disc and not a globe, and the communities that have sprung up around this. Now, while many often will simply dismiss flat earthers as simple or foolish, this film allows the viewer to see what the flat earthers are saying and where they're coming from, while also hearing from experts on the subject and giving context in various forms. And it does it in a way that's very engaging and can help the viewer contextualize what's going on. Joining me today is a man whose secret to becoming all the rage is that he's always angry. Tunde Ogonlana. Tunde, are you ready to do something incredible today? <laughs> Leave me alone. There we go. There we go. All right. Now we're recording this on the winter solstice of the year 2021 for our heliocentrics out there. And that would be December 21st. And before we begin, I want to warn that there will be spoilers in this podcast from this 2018 documentary. But to jump right in, Tunde, tell me your general thoughts on hold, someone or people holding the belief that the earth is flat in the 21st century. <laughs> you know, it made me appreciate uh, the show Ancient Aliens that I used to rail about. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, you tell me so, how. Um, no, just that... Um, you know, we, we tend to think of people believing in things that we think of as a little bit simple or or whatever as, as people like, you know, ancient cultures that they did rain dances and certain things and that we're so much smarter. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that this documentary did was do a good job in showing how even in the 21st century, that's why I like the way you posed that first question of kind of what do we think about people that believe that the earth is flat in the 21st century? Because I think the majority of us in this society, I was thinking about this last night, kind of preparing my head for today. The earth being flat is one of the few things in the earth amongst humanity globally, like every culture, race, religion, that most people have accepted as some sort of fact. Um, yeah. You know, like the three major religions, Islam, Judaism, and, um, and Christianity, there's a lot to argue between them. Um, and people take those things very personal and to their heart and emotional, but, but none of them disagree that the earth is around, you know? And, and so what, what it made me realize is we're the same humans as we were a thousand years ago, 3000 years ago, 5,000, 10,000 years ago that, you know, created all the kind of cultures prior to now that, that fed into our belief system today. And so what, what, what kind of this documentary did for me. And that's why I thought it'd be, you know, I'm glad we're talking about it uh, today for a show because it went from me looking at the title and thinking something that would be a little bit laughable and absurd, like, haha, who are these idiots that believe in the flat earth? Mm -hmm. To like, after watching it or during watching it, appreciating that, like, nah, you know what? I don't agree with them. And I clearly do think that, you know, well, no, we'll get into it in this conversation about, um, you know, why maybe why they believe something that most of the earth's or most of humanity considers settled. But it, it made me appreciate that this is kind of humanity, right? That we're always going to have a part of our society that's going against the grain that doesn't want to conform so on and so forth. And so yeah. that's what it made me kind of appreciate is, is not so much, you know, I never kind of, I try not to look down on anyone. So it wasn't about making fun of these people, but more of taking something that to me at, at first did seem laughable and not that this made me believe at all anything about a flat earth, but more appreciate that, you know, hey, look, even people on the fringe need to be heard. And if we want to help these people come into what the rest of us consider is, um, you know, maybe a normal thought and, and the ability to analyze information that could have them accepted its, its sphere, you know, that the earth is round, we definitely shouldn't shun them and make fun of them. That's that's kind of what I got yeah. from the documentary. Yeah, I, uh, for me, it was... It's similar. Like I looked looked at it from a historical standpoint and just, you know, you, you look at the earth being flat as a mental, you know, as a, as a belief, as, as a construct that you may have. And that's probably if you look at the, the expanse of human history, more of the norm and where we are now is more of the exception. Um, now, that's with 
as our tools of measurement became stronger and more precise, that's when that paradigm started shifting. Notably, once we started getting into astronomy, but even before Copernicus, there have been people who put that forth, you know, mathematicians and, and so forth in various cultures going back into the ancients. But that never caught hold until people could actually look up with some with a greater level of precision. So but it, it unequivocally, if from if you're on a sphere of a certain size, looking around, it will look flat, you know. And so, like, what the folks are leaning into is kind of that initial phase of observation and just saying, look, that's that's as far that that part makes me feel comfortable. So I'm just going to stop there. And so, yeah, it, it gave me an appreciation for almost like how strong our brains are and that we yeah. can we can kind of have lock ourselves into anything and then work our we lock ourselves into any belief or to or thought process and then work backwards from there and ignore what we don't want to see and so forth and and focus on what we do and it's 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 i i say this it's impressive in the sense that you can with all of the stuff that's around you walk around saying i think this that this thing i'm on is is a flat disc with rings of ice around it and so you can't get past our you know antarctica or whatever and you know, it's just like, wow, like that, that people genuinely believe this. It's not a troll job, at least for, for a good number of them. It's not a troll job. Like they're looking at this documentary has people out there trying to trying to look for proof. And, and you know, and it's, it's like, wow, like that's amazing. And, yeah, but- you know, it, but again, and if you but if you transported someone from 2000 years ago right now and, you know, had them talk to, to me and then had them talk to a flat earther, they would look at me like I was crazy. You know, like, oh, yeah. round earth. What are you talking about? Why aren't we falling off? You know, yada, yada, yada. Well, it's it's interesting because I'm sure, I mean, this is what got Galileo in trouble, right? Is yeah. is I'm sure even 2,000 years ago, there, I mean, there's ample evidence that cultures prior to that, you know, whether it be the Egyptians, the Greeks, um, understood that the earth was you know kind of rotated around um, yeah, yeah, the yeah. sun. But they that didn't... was like the elites, though, like the, the yeah. people building, you know, like the, the mathematicians and all that. It wasn't like rank and file people. Yeah, as and, far as we know, I'm, as far as we. But that's what I mean. Like it's it's just that the knowledge has been there, and I think that was probably the tension at the time too, where you know, especially when you didn't have the, what we have today, right? Satellites and 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 kind of planes where we all can go around. You know, a lot of people have been to other countries and go quickly around the world, and it's like, okay, I get it. This thing is big enough. That it feels flat when I'm on the ground, but I I, I get it. it. It's 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 a big sphere, and and the um, and even the ability we have to telescopes, all that kind of stuff now. But I'm sure the tension was similar back in the in the kind of ancient times where you're right. There was an elite, and not and I want to be careful when I say that. Not an elite because they're better, but an elite because maybe with wealth and time, um, they were able to educate their kids and all that. You're right, and people doing mathematics, physics were able to come to conclusions because of, you know, just doing these things over time and, and having, you know, it was basically science, right? Canceling out things that didn't meet equations and facts and, and going with those that did. And then you're right, the person that's sitting there building the, 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 the temple or the pyramid and all that isn't as educated. And I'm sure it's, it was difficult for that educated elite class to try and educate, you know, people that didn't have the foundation of knowledge. And of course, which just goes like back today. to, like you said, which goes back to they didn't have the time, you know, they didn't have right. the, the the ability. They had to put food on the table. They didn't have time to be learning yeah, all and, these abstract and, concepts. And that's why I tie into like we see today that I'm sure just like today, because it's human beings, there were people within those communities and those um, societies that also had other ideas on what to do with a population. So they could also drive wedges and say, well, look at these elites that think they're so much smarter than you. You know, they're, what do they know about the world being round? And look, it's flat and da, da, da. And they use that just like we have politicians today that knock scientists and people that have to explain complex things that aren't easy to explain that that takes some sort of, you know, in order to absorb it, it takes a certain level of foundation of knowledge as well. So well, that's a, you know. But one thing I wanted saying. to add to that also, and this, to your point, the... There's an appeal to the flat earth. Everything is centered around the earth. You're in a dome that, you know, is kind of like, then that's, that's all, it's all about humanity. It's all, it centers humans again in to our existence, which was part of the appeal uh, for flat earth in the past was part of the reason the, when the Christian church adopted it a um, couple, you know, 
1500 years ago or whatever and kept and held on to it. And they were the ones, you know, persecuting people in the Middle Ages, you know, it, as far as saying that the earth wasn't flat and we weren't, you know, the earth wasn't the center of the universe. Like there's something that feeds that like the human ego is very powerful and, and we can't ever forget that. Like every generation, when they think that the world's going to end, they always think it's going to end when they're alive. You know, <laughs> yeah. like there's a, there's a self-centeredness that we have that is just part of us as well. So the flat earth fits that as well as saying, no, 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 we're not just some insignificant speck rotating around a sun. The sun's more important than us. The galaxy's more important than us. The universe, we're just a speck in the universe. Our galaxy's a speck in the universe. Like that really minimizes the, the importance of humans, you know, whereas flat earth, someone created a disc and it's all about us and they put all these tricks in to make us think all this <laughs> other stuff. And, you know, like they're, they're working extra time trying to fool us that really centers us in our existence in terms of what all, all the stuff that's happening is all about doing something to or for us. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, you make a good point because as you're saying that, I, I remember part of the documentary near the beginning where the, the main gentleman, um, Michael Sargent is, is, um, is the main, uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the main flat earth guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm um, sorry, I think it's Matthew Sargent um, is um, he's, he's, describing why he believes the earth is flat and and his whole description is rejecting what what kind of mod, you know science has taken as fact and most of us take like meaning that the earth spins around the sun at a certain speed but it also spins you know at a thousand miles an hour or whatever on a daily basis and he's just like that's so implausible all this and then you're right but then they create this whole new story about the earth being this flat disc and the, you know, that the, at the edge of the disc, the ice uh, sheets are 200 feet high and that's kind of the edge of the earth and all that. And so that's what got me thinking because part of it is I think exposure as well. And I think that's, that's what I kind of felt like this, a part of this stuff is all about the experience that a lot of people have and then how it forms their belief and whether it's fulfilling or limiting. Well, that was one of the, the quotes from the, the, the documentary that stood out to me was Dr. Joseph Pierre, you know, was talking about how people tend to form belief based on two things, one being their, their gut feel kind of intuition, and then the other being their experience. And, but what one thing that stood out to me about that was that those are feedbacks, you know, like your, your experience is going to influence your, your, your gut feel on things, yeah. your intuition, one, and two, experience is very specific and limited. You know, like your your experience, who you interact with, we don't in mathematics and, and so forth. There is things called sample size, which means on a, in a one off, anything can happen. It's very random, and so trying to to make broad proclamations off of one off situations is very difficult because of the randomness. Sample size, meaning if you have ten, or if you have a hundred, or if you have a hundred ten thousand, or if you have a hundred thousand or a million examples and you take the the average, so to speak, of those, then you're able to come to a much healthier conclusion because the randomness is, is muted out, basically, in the same way that, and I mean, just to simplify it, in a basketball game, a, a guy can go eight for nine for, for three point, you know, making threes. That doesn't mean he's 80, he's going to make 88% forever. You know, over the season, it may balance out that he's hitting 40% consistently. And that's, so that person is, cons in, in that context, considered a good shooter, making 40% of those. But in any individual game, they may go 0 for 5, or they may go, they may go 2 for 5, which 40%, or they may go 4 for 5 or 5 for 5. And so that randomness exists in smaller samples, and then you get that out in larger samples. And that's kind of what you're talking about with experience. Experience is always going to be limited because, you know, it, it's like when we talk about anecdotal, forming beliefs off of anecdotal, because it's always going to limit you from to, to your own limited perspective, and you'll never be able to have sample size from, the, from just your own experience. But I want to look at the... Uh, the, the documentary did a lot, both uh, it, both in the subtext and then actually just outright talking about the different types of psychologies that come up with people who either desire to to to, to find and believe in conspiracy theories, or that the conspiracy theories or you know the the rejection of the the status quo appeals to. Um, what stood out, you know, in those in that those areas about you? Or, you know, the oh man, a lot stood out because what was interesting, I think they did a great job with this documentary of, of not trying to paint like these people as any way. They, they, they kind of showed a different, what I would call spectrum of psychology. Yeah. So and it's funny, I wrote some quotes down here, so bear with me. <laughs> I, um, 
What? Because one guy was definitely what I would consider more fringy, and um, he was uh, yeah, <laughs> just well, what? What I what I um, well, you know, the kind of a guy they gave a lot of time to in the interviews. And what I mean by fringy, I mean really out there. He says so. He I quote here: "Biblical cosmology is a geocentric cosmology. That's why they are hiding the truth." So with him, he was yeah. more of a paranoid guy using the they, you know, and the powers that be. And um, well, his was also so, religious based. I do. I do well, that's I remember that's the where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. So 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 he so in order to justify some of that stuff, then he has to believe that dinosaurs weren't real. So, you know, he begins to have to um, take down other kind of, you know, yeah. well, evolution things. is not and real. Then, you know, and, they took down evolution. And, yeah. Yep. And like you say about the religion, then the one that that got me that why I say he's definitely more on the fringes. You know, he said NASA means to deceive in Hebrew. And so I kind of thought of, okay, this guy's kind of that traditional kind of conspiracy guy that's got all the kind of greatest hits, as you say, about, you know, Jews are the reason, you know, everything's bad. Um, yeah. You know, now he's got to, you know, somehow equate NASA with with deceive, you know, in Hebrew. So we know that, okay, so the Jews are to blame. Um, dinosaurs aren't real. It's about the Bible. The powers that be are trying to hide us from, you know, the truth and all this stuff. So I said, okay. It's, that's you a know, good he actually used the term force sun worship. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I figured, okay, so he is a good example of what we would, I think most of us would consider definitely like a more fringy guy. Um, but that's why I said that they did a good job not painting all these people like that. So then I get back to um, like the main gentleman, Matthew Sargent. You know, I found him more of a kind of uh, everyday psychology, like a normal person that you and I could have a beer with and not think, man, this guy's absolutely bonkers. But his was more of it was a lot for him. I felt it was just a lot of his ego, whatever he's been through in life. He found his community with this and his ability to be a leader within this community. So there was a lot of self-convincing language with him and kind of ego and emotion became attached to this story. And this, what I kind of wrote down in my notes here is a journey. And he says, um, once I had my arguments down, um, over this time, he, he kind of got hooked. And then he says, I made connections to dots that no one had done before. So with this guy, I felt like, okay, so he's more of down, just down his own rabbit hole and his ego is now attached to his own kind of feeling of grandiosity that he's figured something else that out that no one else has. And then the last one I get off my high horse here is um, the lady, his kind of partner, who was the other kind of, you know, one of the two main characters in the documentary. Uh, her name was Patricia Steer. What I found interesting about her, and I know we discussed this was her psychology was similar to his of finding the kind of connecting dots where she saw and not wanting to believe kind of the greater uh, kind of scientific story. But she also became a victim of um, paranoia from those within the community that wanted to target her and say that she was fake and all that. So that was a very interesting look that you rarely see within some of the stuff that somebody who's an avid, almost like if we can call it a conspiracy theorist and kind of proud of it then gets kind of attacked by people within her own group that are calling her fake. And she yeah. can't understand why. And she's, and she's a plant from the yeah, government. She's a, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I just found it fascinating that, wow, this, like, this kind of cannibalizing of paranoia within this, this, this well, community. Well, and, and at one point, she actually, and you pointed this out to me, um, <laughs> she actually was saying, man, you know, I look at how, you know, I wonder if these people <laughs> actually know yeah. that they're misleading <laughs> or if they just are, are so down the, the tubes they can't see. Yeah. And then that makes, it makes me question my own self. Something yeah, like, yeah. Like it was fascinating, you know? yeah. But it, I, I would say for me <laughs> that, I would say categorically, I thought there were a couple of types of psychology that stood out that I'm not going to use any kind of technical names because I think the, the I would rather describe them. Um, and these first two I want to mention are kind of related. It's kind of there is a, a they don't want you to know like there's yeah. or, and and or I know something that most people don't like that. There's an appeal to that type of kind of psychology. You see that in, in books. You see that everywhere. Like, oh, yeah. here are web pages when they're trying to get clicks. Oh, here's five things that the, the, the powers that be don't want you to know about blank. And yeah. there's something appealing to humans, you know, to, to our psychology, at least some humans, our psychology in that, like, oh, I'm going to tell you something that somebody's trying, some, somebody's trying to keep away from you or that most people, most of these sheep out here don't know. And there's an appeal to that. You know, like yeah. you can, as long as you preface whatever you're going to say with that, you'll get some people. Just because they're really drawn to the idea of, of that, of being in the know, being in the in crowd. Yeah. And there's the other piece that stood out is I saw that 
people felt that, or that they felt powerful themselves in rejecting what else, what the status quo or whatever the standard belief was or whatever, I'll use this term again, the quote unquote in crowd believed, they felt power. There was perceived power in saying, no, you know what? Screw that. I don't believe that. And regardless of why they didn't believe it or the justifications they came up for not believing it, how plausible their justifications were, they felt stronger and almost like standing up to a bully and, and that they felt yeah. like they were this this other stuff was being forced down their throat. And they were like, no, I'm not going to allow this to be forced down my throat. I'm just going to say no. And so I, I thought that aspect of it was interesting, too. And so more so these types of things could I could see how they could draw if, if that type of mentality was fit with someone's personality. They could be drawn to this almost regardless of the content of the what you're saying no to. You know, you could be saying no to anything. And, and so like, I thought that from that standpoint, it was very interesting to see the types of almost personalities or psychologies that would make someone drawn to these types of things. Not necessarily they're drawn because like because of the other things, because flat earth centers, humans, existence and so forth. But just that this was a way to stick it to the man. You know, or this yeah. is a way to know something and be in the know on things that other people don't know. And you're then better than all these other people because you know this and they don't. And so it was really interesting. One thing before I kick it back, actually, though, when you talked about the you said the one guy that was really out there. I mean, I think the, the documentary made it pretty clear that the, the Matt Boy, Bo, Boiling guy, the guy who was a former NASA illustrator. Yeah. <laughs> he and was, yeah, all over. He was the guy that was the most out there. <laughs> yeah, he was. And he was attacking. That was the guy that it was positioned as. Being the guy who wanted to be the king of flat earth. And, you know, he, he was almost considered the originator, even by, you know, other people there. But then he wanted his own fiefdom. And but it became more of a community and less of a top down type of thing. So he became uh, he became uh, skeptical of it or whatever. So but that goes to that interplay that you're talking about, where they're sniping from different camps within the same group so yeah. to speak, or at least within the same belief, which is not that uncommon. We see that kind of thing all the time when there's people that may have a, a similar goal or, or thought process, they may not agree on everything. So it was, you know, but interesting to see those types of things at play between what you could say the more fanatical versus the less fanatical or whatever. Yeah, no, and you bring up some good stuff that I'm going to follow up on. I mean, it's it stood out to me. I wrote it down here when you said that standing up to a bully, because it's true. I mean, it's interesting. I see it also what I do for a living in the financial markets, you know, like like science and like uh, talking about space and these big ideas or like climate change. Right. The, the financial markets are pretty complex um, and they deal and they have big numbers. Right. There's trillions of dollars sloshing around every day. Um, there's a lot of things that make markets move that is hard to understand. And no one person knows it all or else somebody would have figured it out. And then, you know, a trillionaire already. So that's the guy who well, made the flat earth. I got maybe uh, you're, you're right. He's that rich that he just changed physics. So maybe, maybe you're right. You know what? Maybe we got to join this thing. Um, so but but my point is, is because I hear it in, in kind of coming from even some of my clients. Right. That, you know, I had one guy tell me once that the government has this secret account that they just can inject money in and take money out of the markets like that. You know, just up this thing. man. If you know how big, like the the just the U.S. Treasury market's one hundred trillion dollars in size, like yeah, for them to affect that that block of money would have to be so big, like where would they even hide it, you know? And, yeah. and it's just it just so what I'm saying is that's how you get things like oh it's the globalists or it's you know like we talked recently in a show that people start getting scared of big firms like a BlackRock or a Vanguard because they just have a lot of money and they're going to take over the world. So it's a similar when you said stand up to a bully, it made me think of that where that's where then. It's, it, it becomes where the sense of community is important. And we could say it this way too. In some ways, um, there, that is a human thing, right? We could say that, let's say African-Americans uh, culminated in the 1960s with the civil rights movement as a group that was kind of standing up to a bully, quote unquote, from a societal uh, standpoint mm -hmm. and, and in, a long, in a long drawn out way. Um, and so... It, it's it's fascinating because I think the new technology, as we've discussed a lot, the internet, and like you saw how during the documentary, they'll cut back to him bragging about, oh, we got a million views on YouTube. We got this. We have this many members. And when he's talking about, I remember him him talking about when you believe in the flat earth, you can't really date people anymore. So we started this dating site. And 
what what I think happens with something like this, why generally people um, like you and I, without kind of watching these things and having thinking the way we do, tend to look at people like that as almost crazy and fringy, is because we're looking at it truly just from the facts and evidence thing. Like, oh, it's just, how do you think the world? Like, like I said, well, you could just take a flight to Australia and see that the water turns in you know, a different direction. But what we miss is that sense that it's deeper than that for them. There's a sense of community and that, yeah, you're right. Like as a group, they're standing up for something and against someone else. And that brings me, and then I'll, I'll turn it back. That brings me back to one of the scientists near the end when they asked him, how do you think you combat this? And he was very interesting as a scientist. He said, I think actually people from my side, meaning the scientific community, are more of the problem right now. And he said, what we need to do is have more empathy. And then they went when they had the conference well, near the end. Well, let me, one, let me uh, before yeah, you go, go too far away, because one of the things, though, I think you can't uh, you can't go too far in one direction because, yes, there is a, a facet of standing up to the bully. But also with someone like you or I, I'm not looking to shun anyone. Um, and so in a sense, you also have to keep in mind, and we saw this as well, that some who, who take up a belief like this, they're doing it because they want to almost be a counterculture. You know, like they, yeah. it's not, so, so there could be, it could be based in a feeling of general shunning, but that doesn't mean that every single person has shunned them. And so you, it may be received by someone else who was just a, you know, just a person and saying, oh, this person has decided they want to go in a direction that is, that pushes back against the, the norm that I am. And I'm one of the norms. And so it's, I think it's both from that standpoint. I, I, I the reason I jumped in though is because I, I want to discuss the, the 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 point you just made uh, there was Dr. Spiro McKaylicus, and at the same time there was also a, a, I think it was a physicist Lamar Glover speaking, and they had them kind of going back and forth um, and talked about how the scientific community is oftentimes, and then maybe the public at large is hostile to these people, and we kind of push them into these into the fringes or into the corners and so forth, which I thought was very interesting. But I want to talk about that. And then also just if what your reaction and you've touched on it already, but just the extent to which community has been built around this. And like this becomes a source of joy, a source, a source of 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 bringing people together and, and almost like I said, in a counterculture kind of way, you know, like that. What, what, what was your kind of you know reaction to seeing how like it, it almost it brought people together to talk, oh, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you are. If you come together under flat earth, we accept you, you know, and all that kind of stuff, which I mean, that's that's a great mentality yeah. <laughs> to have for a community. No, in a way. And, 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 you know, there's so many other examples in life. I mean, whether you say from, you know, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, to, um, you know, when they used to talk about gangs like Crips and Bloods, you know, all that studies, why do young men join gangs? And it's all for the same reason, a sense of community, a sense of family. Um, I say AA not to, you know, compare, uh, you know, the flat earth people to alcoholics or someone with an issue like that. I just mean that People that are alcoholics usually feel outcast from their own society, families, things like they go to AA because they've got to that point. And what they find there generally is, is a community that accepts them. Like you're saying, like the guy said, we accept you no matter what the rest of society says. And that's let me say that a little differently. Yeah, I, actually, that's what it is. I think it's yeah. less that they lacked that before because they may or may not have lacked that before. They may have turned away from that before. But more so, I think that illustrates how powerful it is to have a, t a group in your corner, no matter what, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever, like, and so if you're going through a tough time in your life, or if your life is just tough, then having some, some, a group that you feel like accepts you no matter what is something that's very powerful and is very, you know, strengthening for people. Yeah. And I think with the internet, that's why I get back to a little bit, this new technology. Um, and we've identified in other discussions as well, whether it was the, 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 the new technologies of cinema and radio a hundred years ago that led to some disruptions in society or the new, um, you know, uh, the printing press back in the Renaissance area that led to disruptions of the, you know, the power of the Catholic church in Europe. Um, the internet is causing these disruptions in our society because, uh, one of the things it's allowing to do is get people from anywhere to be able to form a community and group and give people the emotional power and strength to have voices that they otherwise may not have had. And it's challenging, you know, our order and our status quo. And so it's, um, 
That's why it's interesting because during the conference, they had the one gentleman, I don't know if you remember, I remember he's wearing a brother with dreads with a blue shirt, a blue polo. He actually also asked the scientific community, he kind of said, he was like, um, if, if, you know, what we would want is for scientists and those who are like that way, not to look down on us. And again, it's kind of the same message. Like at some point, there's got to be a communication between, you know, that group and others if, uh, you know, we don't want to see this uh, anti-science type of community growth. I'll put it yeah, that, that was uh, that was the Lamar that was Lamar Glover, I believe, and yeah. he was he was actually he was a scientist, but he was very critical of how what he was speaking on at that time. Two other scientists was people coming from non-traditional places, yeah, and how they're treated, and so how you can actually you 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 isolate people because of their background or whatever, and then you almost push them into these places, and and, and in fact, basically, he's saying science is losing critical thinkers because it's not taking the time to 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 welcome them so to speak and it's making them feel like their place that their their way to, to, to their their path to feel good so to speak is by rejecting you know the, this whatever the status quo is you, know, you find the status quo and you reject it and yeah the, the the i thought the the community piece was very important as well uh in that it made it look like for again for certain mentalities or certain people if you view things a certain way and not factually but just if you if your impression of the world like they're different personality types it makes it seem like the place to be you know like and that wouldn't necessarily look to me to be the place to be you know i'm not i don't view myself as kind of a i don't have this need to re- rebel so to speak like and i'm not a trusting person by and large you know like there are a lot of things where i'm not a conspiracy theorist but i'm like yeah you know the 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 the, the standard explanation for this or the standard explanation for that that's probably fabricated and or it's something that has been harmonized over for, so people can keep making money or so that somebody can have uninterrupted power and so forth. I generally look at money and power as trying to manipulate the course of events oftentimes in order to um, keep things a certain way. Like just for example, you can uh, look at Aspartame, the, the, the artificial sweetener. And there is a lot of there's a lot out there with that in terms of whether that is something that's harmful whether that's something that's okay, but it's something that our, our our government allows to be sold and so forth. And so there's people, conspiracy theorists, that'll go and say, oh, well, this is proof that the government's trying to poison people and all that. And I look at that, I'm just like, well, no, there's somebody who's making money selling it. So of course they're going to lobby, you know, everything and they're going to have, and they've done that, you know, like, so I, to me, I seek simpler answers, but that doesn't necessarily make me different or better or anything like that. It's just saying like, there is health and good, good, good things in society for challenging the status quo. The community, though, I think a lot of times puts that where when, when there's a community involved with it, like you said, then instead of have just having skepticism or saying, eh, you know, OK, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I believe, maybe I don't. It almost says, OK, if you actually come all the way down this path with us, then you then come into our group. Then you then become one of us. And instead of being, okay, well, instead of being the the, the, the skeptic who everybody's kind of looking at, like, ah, oh, you're not really with us, you know, and then you're not really with the, 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 the people on the fringe either. You're just kind of a loner. You're just a skeptic. It, it, the, it pulls you more towards the, the fringe because the fringe then say, hey, if you're skeptical, man, join us and we'll accept you and everything like that. So I found that the community actually does, like you said, with the internet and having these communities virtually, you don't have to be all in the same town anymore. It actually grows the, the or, or it enhances the appeal and it allows these things to grow even more. And from that, I want to ask you, so like, do you think this like kind of what we're seeing here is a regression from a consensus? You know, like there, there yeah. has been t- traditionally a consensus beyond the ultimate fringe, you know, absolute fringes that the planet is a is a globe, you know, and that it's rotating around the sun. And then the sun is, you know, our, our solar system. And, and then our solar system is moving around the galaxy with a, you know, supermassive black hole in the center of it and, you know, and so forth and keep going on into eternity, until you know, like infinite. Um, do you see this kind of regression from consensus as more of a phase or a blip because the, the exploding types of new technology or, or a sign of things to come? Uh, man, that's tough to 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 answer. I think I think it's going to be kind of like um, eugenics was, right? People are going to have all these ideas and they're going to want to prove them factual, 
And again, the kind of scientific method uh, will win the day because if people are genuinely, you know, looking at facts and using physics and, and mathematics, um, you know, those kind of facts just don't change. Um, so, you know, we may have, you know, you and I might be long dead. It may take a few generations to cycle through this kind of stuff to get right back to where, you know, we were when you and I were born in terms of uh, having the majority of a population understand and, uh, and have a consensus because it's a good way you put it that we're losing consensus. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. I think it's just another period of human history where the kind of new technology and, and, and kind of just we're kind of coming out of the old 20th century industrial age into something new and it's causing some disruption. And, you know, you bring up a good term when you use the word skeptical because it reminded me um, they did one of the scientists did a great job discussing this concept of what he called the skeptical observer. Yeah. And this Which is, is someone, the point of science in its pure. Correct. Yeah. The idea is that um, the observer must also be skeptical of their own theory. Um, and with through observation, uh, if their own theory and their own hypotheses are th- proved false, then they accept it. And yeah. so, um, and so, it got me thinking again about things that we've had in our society, whether it be birtherism, you know, the the election lies, all those kind of stuff. Where when people are shown proof of these things, they still tend to reject it. Um, because now their their emotional and their ego is is so hardened to that way of belief that then to acknowledge that they were wrong is more painful than than not. And so they, they addressed that actually. When, remember when they said it, it, these things become a matter of identity, you know, like these beliefs become part of your identity, and then therefore you can't you can't you you can't reject your own identity once you've once you've adopted the belief into your identity. Yeah, and that's why I, did, I, I don't know if you remember. Kind of, it was, it was towards probably the last 10, 15 minutes of the documentary where um, I think it was the gentleman Matthew Chardon's mother, who he was sitting with. They interviewed, and they asked her. Um, you know, the, the the documentary folks asked her, "Is the world? Is do you think the Earth is flat?" Um, and so she says, "I want to see proof that the Earth is not flat." So that's kind of where I'm coming from. My prayer is that the truth will be revealed. And I thought about it like. That's such an interesting look at how human beings think once they're baked into an idea, because like we talked about, there's all kind of evidence that the earth is not flat. Well, hold, you don't on, need to hold, go on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I took that completely different as, as, than you did. Well, she's being a good mom. I think she's being <laughs> a good I, mom. I, and I she just that too. didn't want to like, sell her son no, out no, after that, all of that. Like, like, part of me, part of me, I don't believe this stuff. (laughs) But part of me was thinking, but I I mean, I'm not going to knock her as a mom. I'm sure she's a great mom, but I was thinking, man, if I saw my kid going down this rabbit hole, you know, I'd have, I'd have stepped in a long time ago and be like, she might have, she might have, and then she knows her kid, you know, so maybe she's like, (laughs) she's trying to maintain a relationship. I saw that as her being a good mom because she didn't say yes. So she clearly wasn't going to encourage it, but she said what she thought she could say to not like just sell him out on the documentary where, but also to not endorse it herself, you know, like, so yeah. I thought that she was trying to walk that line. And so I actually respected that. Like all right, as a parent, just like, all right, I'm sure okay, she's uh, talked to him about hey. it. She kind of indicated before that she had talked to him about it before. And oh. it was just like, yeah, all right, all right. I'll give her the benefit of a doubt. She's a great mom. <laughs> well, let me um, tell you this though. Yeah. What piece you said, cause you were talking about like with birtherism or whatever and how people, even when proof is presented, you know, they won't, Accept it. And then that gets into confirmation bias and so forth. You you avoid the proof. But I will say this, and that's true. That's a human thing. Um, you know, and they, 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 it was discussed in that as far as the psychology of it, where that once something becomes a matter of identity, it's almost if, if, if the question is asked, what could be shown to you to show you that what you're saying is not true? If the answer is nothing, then, you know, you've reached that point to where you're just in this and you're no longer there because because of a true and honest belief that you're on the right side, but you're there because it's just be a part of your identity. But scientists are guilty of this as well, especially in our society. When we're dealing with various things, whether it be pesticides or all types of things that we deal with, where the science will ultimately come out and say, hey, this isn't good. And But industry, for example, will then buy their own scientists to refute it. And it's like, well, hold on. How are you buying scientists? What do you mean? Like, so are these people not using scientific method? Like, are they they, dollars worth more than than being a skeptical observer? And so 
I think we have to acknowledge our own humanity. And I think that type of stuff causes people to lose faith in science as, as a process. Because it's like, yeah, you guys are all uninterested observers when you're talking about my stuff. But when you're talking about you know, some chemical that some pharmaceutical company is making, then yeah, you guys are no longer un- uninterested observers. You're just like me, so to speak. And so screw your other you know, things that you're saying with all this authority. So I get that. And I think that science sets, sets itself up for that. But I'll say this it, it, as part of this just being part of our humanity. Think about it like this. We as humans don't even have a consensus on death. You know, like it's so like you can look at this in the same way as you look at religion. There are a lot of things that people believe with all their heart. And that's fine. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But there is it, it's part of our humanity to believe before and more than we can prove faith, you know, like we believe either what makes us feel good or what makes our lives, you know, makes things simpler. So it makes it, you know, makes us allow, it eliminates cognitive dissonance, things like that. We believe things for a lot of reasons. So I don't think this is a blip. I mean, maybe the, the flat earth itself belief may wane at some point, but there'll be other, there'll always be certain beliefs that are out there, so to speak, or that are easily proven as false that people will hold, I think, because I think that's just part of the human experiment experience. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And, 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 you know, it's definitely, you know, you go into the definitely 30,000 feet with, with, um, the fact that, yeah, I mean, that's, that is part of the human experience. Um, and I think that's what makes, you know, instead of being scared of these other viewpoints and all that, you know, I'm, 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 you know, more seeing it as this is what makes humanity just beautiful in its own way too. Like this is where you get the Rembrandts and Picassos and, 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 and the Elon Musks and, and all these others that are, you know, pushing the edge and the envelope of our cultures and our ways of thinking and nonconformity. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And, yeah. Not, but and, I don't, I'm not going to do it what everybody else did. Yeah. And this is why it never worked whenever someone has tried to just do something to just wipe a certain, you know, group off the earth or to control, you know, society with an iron fist, you know, too, too much and too long. Cause you know, human beings are, you know, would, they'll rebel and they'll, and they'll, um, they'll, they'll, they'll strive for, you know, I guess the things that are in the bill of rights, you know, you know, freedom, individually, individuality, things like that. And so that's where like one of the things, well, but I that, mean, I think it has worked over through, throughout the course of history, those things, it just ultimately ends up falling apart. But it, I mean, it's not like well, it, nobody's actually, ever been able to put those in place. No, I know what I'm saying is it's really, I mean, the, the word that comes to mind is a word I've used in the past, entropy, right? You, things go from order to disorder and then form a new order again. And it takes time. It doesn't happen but necessarily. that happens in authoritarian settings, iron fist settings, and in more free settings yeah. as well. No, you're right. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, like, if you look at really long periods of time, I mean, most societies have been through various versions of them, yeah. um, you know, when given enough time. So, and one of the things that stuck out to me too was there was a gentleman who was using he he was interesting because he was one of the flat earth believers flat earthers who actually was trying to use a scientific method to test his hypothesis so he was he had somehow secured um a a big laser that could point across miles i guess of distance and he had this whole thing that if if the earth is a sphere then at some point the laser if you're holding it up you know the target miles and miles away it should. Um, it won't be at the same distance as if you held it up. You know, right when it's when it's all in the proximity. Same yeah, it'll be at, yeah. at a different height. And, yeah. and what he said, which was interesting to me, because again, I think it comes back to a, some of this comes back to just people's experiences as they're forming and growing up. He said the most. Then I quoted here: the most amazing thing I learned is how difficult experiments are. I, I didn't give enough credit to people who do experiments. Yeah, and it kind of reminded me of. Um, a former president who, when he was campaigning, is kind of like, oh, you know, we can fix healthcare. Healthcare is so easy. It's so easy. And I think most people in this country recognize that the healthcare system in the United States is pretty complex. It's just not some simple, um, you know, wave a wand and you just change things. And then in, after getting through some political stuff and trying to uh, make changes to the healthcare uh, laws that was in place and, and unsuccessfully trying to make those changes, he was interviewed. And in his interview, he said, who would have thought healthcare could be so difficult? And that's the thing is like someone like me or you might say, well, yeah, well, how could you think something like that would be so easy in the first place? You got 300 million people in this country. There's all these different layers and all that. And I think with someone like this, with this laser test, like 
I'm somebody who went to well-funded, you know, high school, college. You know, I was a, I was a pre-med major actually before I switched to finance. So I I remember being in in like the laboratory type of setting and doing chemistry experiments and biology dissections and all that. But I remember doing that stuff at a younger age, like 14, 15 in high school, is actually what got my mind curious about going to, you know, trying to go to med school and doing other things. And it's actually what keeps my mind curious about doing things like this podcast with you and learning things like we learn and all that. And so what it made me go back to is not that this is going to fix it for everyone, but for the larger society, I mean, education is important. And I think, you know, a lot of this also reflects the inability of things like critical thinking due to the lack of broad funding of education in our country for the last couple of generations. And Those two are related because the critical thinking piece I would say even the education that we're doing now leans away from critical thinking. It, it I agree. Actually it's all is, standardized yes. tests and all this yeah. stuff. And, and memorization what, as opposed to thinking. Yeah, because what he said was stood out to me is I didn't give enough credit to people who do experiments and kind of who thought it would be so difficult. Not just thinking back, like, I mean, these aren't things I think about every day in my 40s now. But as soon as I heard that quote, it made me just think of when I was a kid in these high school labs and experiment. And it kind of like, I just remember like, yeah, of course, this isn't easy. Like, I remember well, trial you know and error. what I thought you were going to say is, I thought you were going to bring up Dunning-Kruger, which is, you know, one of the psychological, well, yeah. psychological aspects um, or conditions, so to speak, where people who ha- lack a lot of knowledge in something overestimate their proficiency. And so and yeah. that's what that was, basically. It was like, oh, I've looked at, I've seen, it, you know, with this, I've done it in my head. So let me just do it in real life. But you, you missed, you didn't mention the, the, the prior experiment they did, remember, with the laser gyroscope, that guy, and then the, the, the other um, scientific, scientific-ish guy that they were trying to prove these things scientifically, where they got the laser gyroscope, which if it was something that, if the laser gyroscope would, would if it was a rotating globe, it would drift. And if it was a flat earth, it would stay still. And so they, yeah. they got the boys like $20,000. They bought it and they were like, yeah, we're going to prove that this thing is going to stay still. And then it drifted and they yeah. expressed so much confusion. And they were they, they tried to modify it this way, modify it that way. It kept drifting. <laughs> and so and, and then they were just like, all right, well, we just got to do something else. You know, like so yeah. that, that was well, it, that 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 was the key, because did you see at the very end during the credits they showed after the laser guys experiment? Mm-hmm. Also proved him wrong and proved yes, that after the that height on the yeah the height of the he, laser, he, yeah. you heard him say, "Well, that's some that's interesting." It's kind of like that's interesting. We got to figure out what's going on. That yeah, you know, like like he didn't want to believe that it was right, and that's that's what got me thinking about things like the big lie with the election and all that. Where no matter how many audits, lawsuits, and all that go against people that think the election was stolen, um, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. And and that's what that is. I think that was the key takeaway here is what you're seeing in a lot of these kinds. When once it goes from being skeptical to being kind of baked in, the nonconformity becomes part of the identity. The like I cannot come back to the group. I cannot come back to say, okay, yeah, because I've made nonconformity a part of my identity. And once it becomes a part of your identity, yeah. you are you're you're just in the bag for that no matter what happens. Because so that's what you observe in these cases. And that's what I think is what you want to observe. You can be skeptical, you can be open-minded, but what you have to do is, and it's not easy to do because you know this is you know just this is humanity. And but you have to remain, try to not allow these things, these um, skepticism or of any particular thing to become part of your identity, because once it does, you're no longer capable of thinking about it rationally and and actually looking at these things critically and and trying to come to to truth. It only becomes about finding something that confirms your identity. Yeah. And that's where I think leadership becomes so important. We've seen it. I mean, you talk about the big lie. I mean, when you have people in power supporting these things, um, then it's it's much easier to understand that they can catch like wildfire because the people in these groups and who want to believe it also can point and say, well, look, that person's saying it. Because one of the things I found interesting was when they were interviewing Matt Sargent about kind of how, why this is taking off now. Why is the flat earth thing in the last couple of years becoming so big? You know, he cited people like Kyrie Irving and Shaq, you know, the, the former NBA player and current NBA player. And he was like, well, look, they're saying it. They're on this train. So it's kind of like, you know, I felt like, wow. So it's it. Once that's a that community of, reinforcement. Yeah, that's the community reinforcement. And yeah. to be able to say, well, look, look at these guys are wealthy NBA players. If, if, if they can't be stupid, you know, they, they if they're saying it, then it's OK to say it. Yeah. So it's just another. That's why I felt it was such a. Uh, 
it was such a good way, this documentary, to see this side of our society, humanity, um, that, as we said, it permeates every other part, whether it's our politics, whether it's how people feel about Wall Street, you know, religion, like you mentioned. And but that's why the flat earth thing is, is such an interesting way, because the flat earth topic is is kind of a non-threatening topic for most of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not as hot as religion or some of these other politics, like questioning someone's belief system with one of those might get you shot. And when but, you say religion, by the way, it's not to question anyone's particular beliefs. It's just to point out that you are ba- like with the, the premise of many religions is, hey, you're going to have to believe this, whatever this is. Yeah. And it, unquestioned, so to speak, you know, like it's, it's, it's going to be OK. You're going to lock in here and believe this. And like I said, with, with death, like death is a physiological thing, a biological thing. But then from a religious standpoint, it could be a pathway to something else, you know, like. And so that's what I mean. Like, there's no consensus there from a humanity standpoint. Some religions might say death goes to here or some religions say it's only temporary and then it comes back and whatever. So with all of those, I think that if you look at it as just part of our humanity, you can understand it a little bit. And then maybe you can show some empathy for it and we can bring more people back to the fold. Because again, I think the skepticism is good. It's just, you know, once the skeptic skepticism goes too far, then it it becomes an issue. And you really bring bring a good point about the leadership because I would have never thought until recently how many people could be convinced um, that without evidence, you know, that like something like an election involving all these states all these, like, it wasn't, like, if you tell me the 2000 election was flipped, I could believe that. I mean, it was a Supreme Court decision that just said stop counting votes. But you're talking, like, four or five states and tens of thousands of votes and, like, that you can convince so many people. It shows you with with leadership and repetition really can do to yeah. with our humanity and once <laughs> things become part of our identity. So, yeah, man. In, in, um, in other words, that's called propaganda. But that's a conversation. <laughs> so, yeah. well, that's yeah, for the I mean, next show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's still, you know, it's a, that's propaganda, though. It, it, it that plays to the greatest <laughs> exactly. hits of our humanity. That that's that stuff works for a reason. So That's why yeah. I love the, the Wall Street ones. That's why, and the guy with the NASA thing about the Jews. I'm like, yeah, it's great. The Jews are always the canary in the coal mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you know you're going down a certain path. Right, like, if, once once, once the Jews up. start getting blamed, it's like okay, I know where we're going. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen this this, this rodeo before, <laughs> but but I think we can wrap from there. Uh, we appreciate everybody for joining us on this episode of Call It Like I See It. You, you can get us anywhere you get get your podcast, download it, subscribe, rate, review, tell us what you think. And until next time, I'm James Keys. I'm Tunde Guanana. All right, and we'll talk to you next time.